Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. This episode of Thrive is sponsored by Belk of Haynes Mall in Winston-Salem. If you haven't received or read my book, Crush Cancer, feel free to go and get a free bra fitting at the lingerie department at Belk and receive a free copy of Crush Cancer or the Crush Cancer Workbook. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad. I'm a seven-time cancer thriver. More importantly, I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and putting them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, author of the book Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. Welcome to our show. We have such a treat today. Julie Langford is a bona fide expert in oncology nutrition and creator of cancerdietitian.com. She's also a wellness director and just a full range of wealth and knowledge. So we are going to learn so much today. Welcome, Julie. Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here. We are so glad to have you. So, Julie, tell us a little bit about your work and how you got into this. Yeah, so I'm trained as a dietitian. So I always say that I'm trained that way, but my job at Cancer Services is wellness director. So I get to do some nutrition, but also help to coordinate all kinds of programs for cancer risk reduction and also for healthy living after a diagnosis. So, you know, nutrition is my expertise, but I really try to branch out and focus on all areas of wellness to help people just have great quality of life despite some of the challenges they might be facing. So I'm a big believer in the importance of eating healthy. And I do really think that what we eat matters. Do you agree with that? Do you think that nutrition is an important way? And can we help ourselves prevent getting cancer by watching what we eat? So I don't like the word prevention because I think it, (laughs) uh, yeah, it gives you this sort of sense of as if you have total control, which you obviously don't. I mean, we all know people who've done everything right, still face a diagnosis of cancer or some other kind of serious illness that you would say, well, they shouldn't have that. But we do know that with healthy choices, we can reduce our risk. So I say, yes, healthy eating does matter. It can put the odds in your favor, but it's certainly not a guarantee. So finding that balance in how you look at it, I think is important. It's kind of dangerous to think that it's a vaccination. Right. Sometimes I think people think that there are magical foods. You know, well, if I just do this one food or I have this one thing, it's so magical, it's just going to make my body function amazing. There's not really any one food. Rather, it's a combination of foods. You know, an overall lifestyle, nutrition is not the only thing. Let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about some nutritional ways that you really feel a person can help themselves put the odds in their favor, if you will. Yeah. So I would say that hands down kind of building the building blocks. The first thing is for someone to eat a plant-based diet. Now, many people that I work with have no idea what that actually means. They hear it and they think they know what it means, but they don't. (laughs) They tell us because you're right. People hear plant-based and they're thinking, I don't want to just eat salad all the time. Right. It doesn't mean only plants. Some people who say they are plant-based really mean they're vegan. So when somebody talks about a plant-based diet, I try to help get them to define what does that mean to them. So to me and to people who 
actually study nutrition and look at how you can influence your risk. Plant-based just means that most of the food you eat is plants. If all of the food you eat is plants, that's fine too. But I, I say it's choose your own adventure if you want to eat meat and dairy products or not. It's fine to include them in moderation if that's something that you enjoy. So plant-based is important mainly because it means that people are eating lots of plants. Whether you include meat and dairy or not is kind of your choice, your option. So do you eat meat or dairy yourself? Sometimes. <laughs> People <laughs> ask me, they ask me, well, are you a vegan? And I tell them sometimes. Uh, are you a vegetarian? I mean, I've gone through different phases. I've not gone through a phase of being a strict vegan. If somebody wants a label, but they're not interested in being that strict, you can call yourself a flexitarian. <laughs> and that way, because... I think everybody should eat plant proteins. I mean, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of nutritious benefits to eating plant-based proteins like beans so, and nuts and seeds. Yeah, let's get into that because sometimes I think people are so confused and when someone, for example, I know a lot of people, they think I want to be a vegetarian or, I mean, I think that's usually the first step before someone even decides to go vegan. And then they think, oh my gosh, how am I going to get my protein? And protein just always seems to be a really big issue for people. And let's not forget too, that the average American probably overeats the amount of protein that they need. Yeah, just on a daily basis anyway. So right. Because we've all kind of been brainwashed. You've got to have your protein. Right. So yeah. How much protein do we really need and what are some vegetarian protein sources? Sure. So Garth, congratulations for knowing that the average American <laughs> overeats protein because a lot of people, they don't even realize that. I say the average American eats protein like they're bodybuilders or marathon runners. <laughs> and let's think about the average American. They're not really bodybuilders or marathon runners. So yeah, how much protein does someone need? I mean, I don't think that the typical person needs to count grams of protein in general. Maybe there's a timer, you know, here and there where you try to do a little audit on your diet. But in general, if you're eating a piece of, let's say it's meat, just for example's sake, a piece of meat that's the size of a deck of cards is about 21 grams of protein. And that's really all you need at a meal. So that's why the typical American is overdoing it because they don't eat a piece of meat that's the size of a deck of cards. They eat like three or four decks of cards on their plate. So the typical, what I say is kind of goals for meal times would be between 15 and 25 grams at a meal. And if you're doing that three times a day, you know, you're going to get somewhere around say 75 grams of protein for a day. And I also encourage everybody to get a plant protein at least once a day. So even if they're meat eaters, they should still include plant proteins because they have so many great nutrients in them. So plant proteins you can get from beans, you can get them from nuts, seeds, tofu, or soy products. And so those are great ways. Tofu is very concentrated in protein. It doesn't take much to get a lot of protein in. But a lot of people like nuts, you know, trail mix. I don't know a lot of people who don't like trail mix. So any kind of nut really will be a good source of protein. How much should we eat to get that similar amount of protein that you can get in a deck of card size piece of meat? How much beans do we need to eat or how many nuts do we actually need to eat? And I, I obviously understand that some nuts are probably different than others and same with beans, but just give our audience sort of a general answer. So in general, an ounce of nuts is going to give you about six grams of protein. So every nut is different because they're different sizes. <laughs> but we'll just say, so 14 walnuts, you know, a handful of peanuts would be about 28. So that's about six grams of protein, which is about as much as you would get in an egg or part of a piece of that deck of cards meat. 
three quarters of a cup of tofu is roughly about the same as that piece of meat. So it depends, you know, a half a cup would be maybe seven to 10 grams if it's beans or lentils. So if you're having lentil soup and you have a cup of soup, it's going to be more like 18 grams of protein. Again, like I don't think people have to count per se. To me, it's more of like a checkbox. Yes, I have some protein present. I don't need you to measure it with a measuring cup. I mean, unless there's a significant reason somebody has to count their protein grams, it really doesn't have to come down to such a science. What's your favorite vegetarian or plant-based protein? Oh my gosh. Well, I like them all, but I do really (laughs) like lentils. I think lentils are delicious and they also cook you know, from dried a lot faster than the other beans. And I have two kids and both of them like lentils. So that makes my life a lot easier. Everybody in our household likes lentils. So I'll go with that one today. Yeah, that's a big win if everyone in the house eats it. I understand that. <laughs> I would I would say my favorite is, is either black beans or red beans. And they cook very quickly from dry if you use a pressure cooker. Ah, see, well... Be- that new thing that everyone's talking about? I have an old-fashioned pressure cooker with a little rocker on the top that starts to rock back and forth and make noise when the steam is at the right level. I mean, you put it on the stove. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yours is like the the bomb. It's not. It is so safe. (laughs) It would never explode all over the kitchen. Uh, And it was only like $20. So it's the perfect... Like 100 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the perfect (laughs) kitchen utensil. And we eat a lot of beans that are from dried in the pressure cooker. I love how they come out very creamy. They cook quickly. They're uniformly done. And once the steam gets going, it's really just set the timer and walk away. Yeah, I I have an Instant Pot. So that's what I was talking about. The Instapot. I don't have one. Do you love it? Everyone's talking about it right now. Everybody does love it. I like it. And mostly because you can do stuff like that. Like how can you get dried beans onto your plate? Otherwise I don't have time to plan that far ahead, but the Instant Pot or the pressure cooker will do it. I don't know, like 30 minutes or something. 45 minutes. Nutrition. I mean, is it cooking out the vitamins or because it does it so fast or is it totally completely not depleting any vitamins? Uh, I think overall it's a win either way. And the other thing is you have to cook them. Like you're not going to eat them hard. (laughs) (laughs) So they have to be cooked in order to improve their nutrition because otherwise they're not edible. And usually we say the faster you cook things, then the less nutrition it loses. You know, I've done beans in like a crock pot as well. There is a teeny tiny bit of risk with a crock pot if it doesn't get hot enough that Mm -hmm. it won't actually fully cook them. I've never had a problem. Like I'll do garbanzo beans in a crock pot and it works out fine, but I can cook them in an instant pot a lot faster. And I like using dried beans for two reasons. First of all, they're cheaper, which is really great, especially if you're trying to eat healthy and still meet your budget. And then the second thing is you get to decide what kinds of flavorings that you add to it. I'm not opposed to beans from a can either because they're still very nutritious and super easy. Like dump them out, heat them up, eat them. But they do have, you know, added sodium and different things. So it's nice to be able to flavor them yourself and at the same time save money. I want to go back to one of your comments about counting the protein grams. There was a point in my health history where I actually, so my story is about seven years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer for my first time. And through the treatment, I lost a kidney. 
all of my medical team said, okay, you really need to eat a low protein, low sodium diet. And the way that I figured out to do that was to eat a plant-based diet. And I purposely restricted my calorie intake to less than 10% of meat or dairy. And it was actually not difficult. It wasn't necessarily fun, but especially on the sodium side, because it's so hard. If you're eating anything that comes in a package, there's extra sodium there. Shortly after that, I started taking daily chemo and over the course of six or eight months, I lost about 55 pounds. At that point, my doctor said, hey, Garth, you know what? We really appreciate you limiting the amount of, <laughs> of meat and dairy to, in your diet by 10%, but please eat something, right? Just yeah. at this point, no restrictions. There was a point where my wife and I were always having this really contentious discussion in the kitchen about how little I had eaten for the day. And so I started using an app and actually measured the food that I was eating, made sure that I had a calorie count and a protein count. So I would get the calories and all of the proteins, the carbs and the fats so that I could easily like take my phone out and say, no, no, honey, look, I've had the required amount of food that I need today. Please get off my back. I'm not <laughs> going to eat another spoonful of peanut butter. That was really hard. Did it you was... put the weight back on? I didn't. I stopped the loss of weight. Yes. Uh -huh. And then over the course of the next couple of years, I was gaining maybe a pound or two every month. Yeah. And so I got to what was a really good acceptable weight. My doctor stopped complaining. My yeah. wife stopped complaining. Well, actually, even today, she still does. <laughs> um, because I like to skip meals. I don't eat if I'm not hungry. I just remember my doctor saying, hey, look, you know, before you leave the office, you're actually going to eat something. Yeah. And he called the staff nutritionist and I felt like I was being subjugated to peanut butter crackers and yogurt and, and sure. But I have to say of all of the things that I've had to do, measuring every bite of food was just such a pain in the butt. Yeah. Some people you do absolutely need to do it, especially when it's like you weren't very aware as to what all was going on. And so you needed to do that audit to see and also to be able to kind of defend yourself. But I mean, kudos to your doctor for one thing. Yeah, us oncology dietitians, we do not like seeing people lose weight, which honestly is part of the reason I like being an oncology is that I don't have to be a food Nazi like the cardiac rehab dietitians. But it's true. Sometimes people are not aware necessarily what their regular habits are. And so if you've gotten into sort of a unhealthy habit of, you know, some people are too obsessed with healthy eating and that's not healthy and they need to sort of step away a little bit. And sometimes doing that diet audit helps you really see the bigger picture of what's going on. So yeah, those apps can be very helpful and telling, especially when something's not working. I can empathize to anybody. I was trying to get to a certain weight from one side. And I know that there are a lot more people that are trying to get to a certain weight from the other side. Yeah. And it's equally as challenging because unless you are paying attention to what you're actually consuming, I know that Dara actually invited you on just because she has this personal thing to make my diet much better. <laughs> and so uh, you're doing really well but this is a fun position to be in <laughs> yeah i can imagine judge here okay <laughs> and because i think that i really came to this point where i literally if i wanted to have okay i never did this I know I'm just going to say this to like egg Are you talk on. about the Cheetos yeah so if I wanted to have Cheetos for breakfast that's what I would have I never did Dara I never but you did don't do, and you don't do that anymore do you 
Garth, do, do I you? not eat Cheetos <laughs> ever? No, but you don't eat them for breakfast anymore. No, I never ate them for breakfast. I eat what is available and I try to make good choices and I try to make sure that I'm eating two meals a day. Two good meals, not like, you know, a half a cup of rice. An actual meal. <laughs> uh, yeah, a real meal. And what I found, though, is especially when I was going to the gym, I was working with a trainer. He went over my diet as well. And he said, you know, Garth, you're just not eating enough. You need to increase your calorie intake by, I think it was like 250 calories a day, except on the days that you come to the gym. On those days, you have to add another 300 calories. And I thought, good Lord, there's just no way. that That's just so much food. And I found that it was really easy for me to do some homemade trail mix. You know, not with the peanut M&Ms and things like that, but just like, you know, a really good homemade trail mix and measure it out and put it into a baggie every morning and carry it with me and yep. just absentmindedly eat it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about snacks, because I think that sometimes people don't really know good snacking options, like, for example, the trail mix that you made. And it's important to snack throughout the day. So Julie, talk to us a little bit about your favorite snacks. Sure. So first of all, like I would call a snack something that's one or two food groups. Ideally, I like two, like two different things to be present. So trail mix is usually nuts and dried fruit. Some people put dessert in their trail mix, right? Okay, so that's like a bonus on the two food groups. But so the snack would be either you're going to have like a protein and a vegetable or you're going to have a starch with a protein or a fruit with a protein, something like that. So I like things like peanut butter and apples. I like the trail mix. I like cheese and crackers. Pretty much anything, leftovers, small portions of leftovers. I think popcorn. Sometimes I'll have popcorn and low-sodium V8. Like, that's a really easy thing even to grab at work. We keep trail mix packs here at work. Granola bars, I've used even take a granola bar and spread peanut butter on it just to add extra protein to it. Because I know a lot of people, you know, time is tight and money is tight and there are convenience foods at the store that you can buy that are still healthy. And so finding those, um, like my favorite crackers are Triscuit crackers, or I'll try to find granola bars that are going to have at least three grams of fiber in it. Not because somebody added powdered fiber, but because it has like oats or some kind of other whole grain in it. But, you know, I think America's, I'd like to say America's favorite snack is actually fruit, which is always easy. Often comes in its own edible packaging, comes in its own biodegradable packaging. You can add nuts and fruit, banana, you know, and peanut butter is always delicious. So any kind of variety of those. And I'm okay if people buy the trail mix that has the M&Ms in it. <laughs> we had at the beach the last week, we actually had some, you know, my nieces and stuff. So we just set them a rule. Here's the trail mix. You don't get to eat all the candies out of it. <laughs> you get, if you're going to pull a candy out, you need to eat one candy, one raisin, you know, one nut all together because that's how it works. So, you know, when it's in that ratio, it's a fine option. When I talk about homemade trail mix, I personally don't like M&Ms. And so that's an easy thing for me to omit. I can tell you that when you get that pre-packaged trail mix and you look at how many calories a serving it is, you think, oh, that's not that big of a deal until you realize the serving is like a tablespoon. Right? right and then people eat a whole bag <laughs> right and, and i i just had a cup and a half of this holy cow that's that's yeah. like three days worth of food i'm a big fan of homemade popcorn yeah i neither dara or i will ever eat microwave popcorn there's too many chemicals in it and there's no need especially considering it takes what three and a half minutes to cook a bag of popcorn 
and it takes four and a half minutes to pop your own popcorn, which is really healthy, has good fiber, low calories. It adds some bulk to your diet for the afternoon. And I, Lisa and I go through- You can eat a lot of it, right? Right. I mean, Lisa and I probably buy a bag of unpopped popcorn from Trader Joe's. So it's organic popcorn once a week. Wow. And yeah. Um, I have so, it practically Well, then how day. do you cook it? I cook it on the stove. So I use a- You very... and your stove. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I use <laughs> I use this old-fashioned thing called a stove. It has these circles. They're burners. Uh, and you get exercise when you shake the pan over them. <laughs> a little bit of exercise. That's right. And sometimes you can dance along with it. So do you have to use a lot of oil when you do that? No. The ratio on the directions is three tablespoons of oil for a half a cup of unpopped popcorn which is, that's a really good amount of popcorn. Um, you know I mean, that, that I read something? You can use coconut oil when you do that. You should try that. Just try it once. Do you know how many calories are in coconut oil? Well, I don't think you need to worry about that. And it's like a healthy oil. Is it, it a healthy oil? different flavor. Like, is that it's, I call it a health halo right now. Everybody seems to think it's healthier. I don't think it's any healthier than others. But so it has saturated fat about the same amount as butter. People like it because it's plant-based and plant-based right now is real popular and vegans can use it as a saturated fat, like in baking. So sometimes you need a saturated fat. You can't never have saturated fat and you can't make cookies with olive oil. Like it doesn't work. <laughs> They're hard, you know? So there are times, but I tell people don't substitute your olive oil for coconut oil. I would substitute like butter for coconut oil sure. and call it an even trade. It does have a flavor though. So I don't, you know, if you have a certain expectation about your popcorn and you stick it in coconut oil and you don't like the flavor of coconut oil, I don't know. But if you're a kettle corn kind of person, maybe it would actually taste good with a little, you know, dusting of, of cinnamon. Yeah. I'll say I'm, I'm a purist when it comes to a lot of things like this. So I use as little oil as possible because I like my popcorn to be very dry. I never have liked butter on my popcorn and just enough salt to give it a little bit of extra seasoning. And also that way I feel good about feeding that to my dog as a treat because <laughs> there's, there's no butter, there's no, you know, crud on it. And she responds really well to commands when I have popcorn around. <laughs> So yeah, the funny thing, if somebody's in an office, they're not going to have a stove, but you know, you can use one staple in the microwave. So you could make your own microwave popcorn with a paper bag and yeah. one staple. Yep. You know, I grew up in the nineties. Okay. Eighties and nineties where fat was like not allowed evil kind of thing, according to popular culture. Right. So I would eat popcorn with nothing, no fat on it at all. Right. Which is eh, a little bit dry <laughs> and you need a little bit of fat for the salt to stick. So if you've ever tried to salt like popcorn that doesn't have any oil or any fat on it, it's like you're going to inhale the salt and end up in a coughing fit. So <laughs> I'm a fan of, yeah, use you. it has a function. Use as much as you need without having too much. So what are the most common obstacles you see people making when it comes to trying to eat a healthy diet? Well, I think that they make it very complicated. Sometimes I think the easiest thing for people would be to just lower their standards. Like you can have a meal that's a peanut butter and banana sandwich and some carrots and that is a meal. And so I think sometimes the expectations are a little too high and then they give up and then they go the drive through and find something that's really delicious, but isn't really particularly nutritious. So really helping to think through, well, what are some really easy meals? What are the things that I actually like that are healthy and eat more of that? 
So people like fruit. I'm like, hey, well, let's keep including the fruit on a regular basis. And what are the vegetables you like? My strategy, and I have like, my time is really tight right now. Food prep time is probably at the minimum that I've ever had in my life. (laughs) And so I try to buy things at the store that either I can eat as they are. So I love these little mini cucumbers at Costco where literally I pull them out of the bag, I wash them and I stick them in my mouth. Like anything that makes it simple to actually eat nutritious food. And then the other thing is if you are doing meal prep and you're making meals, make extra so you have leftovers. Anything you can do at home is gonna be more nutritious than what you can buy out. And also using the convenience items at the store. So the green beans that are already like washed and cut for you or the frozen vegetables that are ready to, like you can buy diced onions in the frozen vegetable section which means that you don't have to wash your onion. You don't have to cut your onion. You can dump it right into the pan and start your saute. To me, those are the tips that I think most people could start with. Foodies, people who love to make food, you know, they've pretty much got it down already. (laughs) It's the people that need to make changes that I think they have a lot of excuses around. They don't have the knowledge or they don't have the time, but there are strategies for helping to save time, but still eat healthy. I love that. Thank you so much. I think for me, one of the biggest tips that I have is that I'm going to eat what's available, making sure that my refrigerator and my pantry have the foods that number one, I like, and number two, that I will actually eat so that when I open up the refrigerator or I open up the pantry, there's a good choice for Garth. That way I'm not necessarily reaching for that bag of Cheetos when I need an afternoon snack. So as long as there's popcorn in the pantry, I'm going to take that extra time and make popcorn. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point, which is our bodies are so important and our health is, I would argue, one of the most important things. As someone who's been through a health crisis, I fully understand the importance of having good health and we have to be willing to do the work to take care of ourselves. And so if that means making a list and trying to figure out what are the healthy foods that I want to eat this week and then going to the store and buying them and maybe trying to come up with a couple hacks that will make it a little bit easier, but then coming home and preparing the food maybe to think about your week and what are my healthy snacks going to be. I would argue that, you know what, I think it's worth the extra couple of hours that it might take you in a week to give your body healthy, nutritious options that actually really can make a difference in your overall health. Yeah, for sure. The planning can actually save you money too. So it's like if you can plan those meals, even if it's just three meals a week that you plan out ahead of time, write down the healthy snacks that you want to keep on hand. That way, then sure, if you can get yourself to the end of the week and you've made these meals that you planned and you ate the snacks that you planned, then celebrate and go out on Friday night or whatever. You sort of have the right balance between the nutritious foods and maybe the less nutritious foods. Because what I see is that, you know, you don't have to be perfect 100% of the time, I say 80% of the time is pretty much, I think what our body needs. And then that 20% can flex to celebrate, you know, milestones in life and just go out on a date or whatever. I think most people are not doing the 80, 20, they're doing 20, 80. And so, you know, they're running through the drive through most of the time because it's convenient and they haven't done the hard work of planning. So yeah, it is definitely about prioritizing. I know, and my clients know you will feel better when you're making healthy choices. And so if you can figure out whatever strategy it takes for you to make at least one of those choices every day, you're going to feel better. That is worth it in itself too. 
What are your three favorite ways to help someone start eating a healthier diet? So I like them to pick like one meal a day to work on, not all of them, just pick (laughs) one. So they could do rehab on one meal a day. Sometimes the easiest meal to pick is the one where you're only responsible for yourself. (laughs) So you don't have to please other people in the house. So that's one is to kind of just do an audit on one meal a day. The second thing is identifying the healthy foods that you like and make sure you keep them around. And then the third thing is, I think, keeping like a hunger and fullness journal. So really paying attention to, am I eating when I'm hungry? If you're not eating when you're hungry, why is it that you're eating? Because that's a lot of people's issue is that they're eating because they're bored or they're stressed out or they're lonely or it's an emotion that they're responding to. And then also helping them understand when to stop eating because a lot of people, they eat past their point of fullness because they're either not paying any attention because they're distracted by TV, phone or whatever in the car, or it's just a bad habit that they got used to kind of overstuffing themselves. So those are three things that I would encourage everybody to really think about. So important. It drives me crazy when my husband, and if he's listening, I I, I am going to say this because- (laughs) I know exactly where you're going. Oh my gosh, this makes me crazy. I make a beautiful meal with a lot of effort, right? And then he'll eat the meal and then he literally gets up and walks to the pantry and stands there and just eats. Oh my gosh lunch like chips for that we put in Avi's lunch so I mean I do have chips in my house I'm you know I have a teenage daughter and I'm trying to get her to eat a healthy lunch and so we absolutely have chips to put in her lunch to maybe encourage her to eat some of the other things and then that's the reward he literally stands there and eats out of the bag it makes me crazy yeah Um, it's like at least just pour it in a bowl Julie what help me what can I do for that well okay so You've mentioned your husband and Garth mentioned his wife. So sometimes like I, you know, I work with couples and I'm like, okay, there's this piece about control. And as parents, you know, we also have to deal with this is like, oh, I want my kid to eat this, but they're not going to. And then it's a fight. So I always tell caregivers that like your job is to prepare the food, remind the person, you know, hey, it's been a couple hours, like maybe set it down. Like you made the meal, you put it on the table, whatever. And then it's the other person's job to actually put it in their mouth and swallow it. And it's really hard to not comment. So, you know, in his case, is he still hungry? That that's always my question I I would say I think it's a bad habit just like what you said minutes ago I think it's just it's a pattern right and it's hard to break the pattern I don't know maybe I should just want chips with dinner I would almost consider pouring chips in a bowl and having (laughs) it at the dinner table along with all the other food and he puts it on his plate and you know he eats his portion of chips with the other food instead of yeah enforcing a habit that's like oh okay I ate dinner now I'm gonna go eat my other dinner Hey, I'm totally going to do that. And I'm going to let you know how it goes because, um, yeah, he's going to be like, why are there chips? (laughs) Stay tuned, my friends. You know, Dara, I don't know John's background, but I know as a kid, chips were a pretty common thing to like have in the kitchen at the ready. I know that my mom made macaroni and cheese with crushed up potato chips on the top. Right. I mean, that was what she did. Well, that was um, back in the day when we had casseroles, right? That's right. You know, good squash casseroles that you can barely <laughs> choke down. But here's my rule for snacking. And maybe you could preemptively do this 
for John. So I do allow myself snack foods. Not often. I'm pretty picky about the type of snacks that I eat, but I love salty foods and I admit it, but I use a ramekin. So whatever salty snacky food that I can fit into a ramekin, I don't eat more than that. Right. So you can see what you're eating. Right. So, I, and I know that, okay, if this is how much I eat and I don't eat more, I'm not going to make myself sick. I'm not going to feel yucky afterwards. I'm not going to look at the bottom of the bag of chips and say, oh, what happened to all of the chips? Mm -hmm. um, and plus that way, I know that there will be chips for the next time I need it because I only ate that little tiny bit. So I maybe you could go to the pantry, get the little chips and just put it out on the, on the counter afterwards and see what happens. Stay tuned. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to hear. Because I, I mean, that would be the strategy I would also probably use with other members of my family that are probably shorter than your husband. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, everybody wants mealtime to be a happy experience. Everybody wants people to enjoy their food. And we all have different preferences. You know, I say if he's generally healthy, figuring out some kind of strategy so that, yeah, it's a legitimate food item instead of being like the thing that you have to go hover in the closet to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good point. Well, Julie, a lot of times we talk about a thriving tip, which is an extra special little nugget of goodness. And you have shared so much with us, but can you think of one extra special tip that you could leave with our audience? Give them. I like to tell people that when you approach eating, think of it as a way to promote your health. So it's how can I include something in this meal that I know is going to promote my health? I Oops, love, that. love that. One of my nurses once told me food is fuel and you wouldn't skip your medicine. So don't skip your food, but make sure that when you're eating, it's food, right? It, yeah. It's not junk. Yeah. And it's real. I mean, I think that's really what Julie is saying when we talk about plant-based food and all the things that you've told us is you're basically saying eat real food. We're not talking about a bunch of processed foods. We do make it so much harder than it has to be myself included. Yeah. Well, and heck you can make your own potato chips, right? <laughs> yeah, a slice of a potato and put That's it in the oven. Me. He's not going to like this as much. I'm just <laughs> You know, and if you wanted to be very daring, you could make your own potato chips in a pressure cooker. No <laughs> way. Is that for real? Well, sure. It's kind of a weird process. Do if it, Garth, and give us pictures. I could even do a video. Ooh, um, yes. But, you know, the best, absolute best chicken sandwiches are made with chicken that is fried in a pressure cooker. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I need, I, I need, somebody's going to have to tell me more about how you do that. I feel well, like we're fighting pressure cookers. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could. I don't even know if my pressure cooker has a brand, right? I mean, it's That's such a generic brand. piece of equipment. That's it's so vintage. Like, it, I know. It's like a cast iron skillet. Does it really matter what brand it is? <laughs> oh, my goodness. What, what is our napkin note today? Yeah. So, every podcast we talk about a napkin note that I've written to Emma you know Emma's now a freshman in college I'm still writing her notes and so I took a look back and this one is old and I can tell that it's old because of the ink that's on the napkin I haven't used these pens for quite some time the note itself is probably six years old wow and that also says how much of a pen geek I am that I know which pen <laughs> I used and the note is a quote from Jim Rohn and it says take care of your body it's the only place you have to live. Oh, I love that so much. Perfect, Garth. Julie, where can we find you? So you can find me on cancerdietitian.com and then all of the social media channels at Cancer Dietitian. And if anybody happens to be in the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, you can find me at Cancer Services on Maplewood Avenue. 
Thank you so much for being here. I am going to put all the links to those, that website in our notes. And I encourage you to check out her website, cancerdietitian.com. She has some amazing, easy recipes that I think even my husband would like. So check it out. I am Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Dara, author of Crush Cancer and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.